Welcome to the American Dad Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1, Bullocks to Stan. <laughs> yeah. We're back and we're better equipped than ever. This is version 2.0 of the American right. Dad Podcast. Fully upgraded just... <laughs> and ranger hard. Yay. Let's start with the A plot and the B plot. Here's a simple A plot. Okay. Oh, okay. Stan wants promotion, but his boss is dating his daughter. It's an episode about Stan's work dynamic with Avery. Avery crosses a lot of lines. <laughs> <laughs> The B plot is Steve and Roger, their whole thing. Yeah. The B plot is Steve and Roger get Dick Cheney's phone. Oh, yeah. And they're just they're, crank calling the UN. Right. And the C plot, Klaus is doing his own thing. He's got a DVD commentary. <laughs> oh, my God. On, that is a thing. Which for this episode, we went out and we got the actual DVDs it's and so confusing. watched the DVD commentary of this episode. Did you? Yes. You dickhole. Paul, you're not supposed to know this shit anyway. We yeah, dropped You're supposed it's... to be able to hear it for the first time. It's just other information for you to hear for the first time. So shut your stupid fat ass mouth. We dropped the whole seven bucks on it. Yeah. Just letting you know. It's I don't skipping have a, though. I don't have a fat ass mouth. I have a mouth. You're a ha- a... You have an ass that looks like a fat <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I am six foot five and I have a slender mouth. With that out of the way. We open this episode on a sickly deputy deputy director. Fred Ferguson. Who's leaving his office with all of his stuff, which includes a rifle pointed <laughs> at him. Old high white cell count Fred. Dead Fred. That's soon a to standard be issue assault rifle. Every CIA person has it. Right. You get it day one. As soon as he's in the elevator, they're all in after his shit. And there is a little bit. There's a reference, there's a nod to office space because Dick gets his stapler. Oh, my dear God, that's... You didn't notice that? I did not. That's freaking sweet. Right. It's like, I got the stapler, and then he comes out with it, and he's <laughs> like, you want stuff? So it's... <laughs> and clarify, Stephen Root voices, what's his name? <laughs> Dick. Dick. Voices Dick, and he's the stapler guy from office space. Right. And Stan had his eye on his job from his first nosebleed. Did Stan cause the sickness? That's what I want to know. It seems completely likely. With how cavalier the whole CIA is about his death. No, nobody cares. They have no respect for human life at the CIA. They all get an invitation to the annual CIA family event. Aww. But there's a CIA carnival. Right. There's a CIA carnival. We see there's a microfilm eating contest. <laughs> and in front of the microfilm eating contest, there's an Asian woman who you can't tell that she's Asian necessarily, although she has a short bob black hair and she's wearing like a mustard shirt and brown skirt in the dvd commentary they said that she's in pretty much every episode oh holy damn find a female friend for toby we're erasing all references to toby toby (laughs) is dead to us now i was also thinking that we should name that asian woman deborah deborah so that we can refer to her later there's already a Debbie, but we're going to name her deborah deborah but even though i think uh debbie is short for deborah in in everything, just in, in life. Debenthal. <laughs> Up until now, Stan has been wearing a woman's jacket. What in the blue hell? Do you know the difference between a woman's jacket and a man's jacket? have to do with maybe buttons. It does have to do with buttons. There's, what does it have to do with it? There's no buttons on a woman's jacket. You've got to be open to show the boobs when everything need to be Do exposed. you know? Do you even have an educated guess, Paul? I thought... I, that was my educated guess. Your educated guess was that a woman's suit doesn't have buttons, really? No, women don't wear buttons ever. No pockets. No. 
The difference between a woman's jacket and a man's jacket is the side that the buttons button up on. Oh, seriously? No, hell, I'd never fucking know that. How would I? That makes, yeah. that's. They also reference it in the office because... Well, that's where I'm getting it from right. when Michael's wearing the woman's well, suit. When Michael's wearing the woman's suit and like, look at the way the buttons go. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it's European. It buttons in a different <laughs> way. On a different side. Oh, no. that's. So if you think about which way a male jacket buttons up, which way do you think it is? Right over left or left over right? Right over left. The buttons are on the left side. I don't know. I don't wear suits. Like, <laughs> I'm in a sweaty ass white t-shirt right now. I'm not I a think suit the buttons wearing. are on the right for men's, if I recall correctly. I've been wearing women's suits for a long time. Mm, you know what other scene does come before mm, the, the CIA fair is Haley taking Jeff on the breakup hike. Oh, yeah, the old breakup hike. Because you have to set that up. Haley's dissatisfied with Jeff because he's too passive. Haley has uh, some sort of a daddy complex. Yeah, she really knows how to She likes how to the pick older them. men. And she has a thing with breakup hikes. That's right. like her preferred way to break up with people. Right. Oh. Which maybe is not a bad idea. We can talk about the merits of a breakup hike. It's mm-hmm. remote. You could just cut and run. You just leave somebody I think somebody that it's very odd, though, to break up with um, a man. As a woman in the <laughs> middle of a forest, I think that it's, it's not advisable. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it that other people. But then again, it's all male writers, so... <laughs> They're like, where would she? She would go to the most isolated place where no one could hear her scream and then break this man's heart. Yeah, it's totally fine, you know, because of the implication. <laughs> but I guess because she knows. That's why she does it on a breakup hike, because if you don't attack her, you're not a man. <laughs> they also mention, I'm just dropping bombs no, on you from this it. DVD oh, documentary. Please. Oh, yeah, kick Or that DVD uh, commentary. Jeff Fisher introduced Mike Barker and Matt Weitzman, I'm pretty sure. Oh, good for him. The only thing, I'm not 100% positive. I think it was those two, but it's, you know, like four white guys talking in a booth. You can't tell who's who (laughs) when they're saying like, oh, they introduced us. Who the fuck is us? Yeah, it was Matt and Mike or Mark or Mick or Mitch. So that's how they, 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 they were mutual friends with Jeff Fisher. That's crazy. And that's how that man will always have a job, even though he's not a great character. That's rude. Cut it. I don't want to be mean to Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher is a good man. Yeah, it's the breakup hike, and then the breakfast, and then it's the carnival. Stan is sucking up to Bullock. Haley is upset with Bullock and tells him off and leaves. Dick Cheney is tormenting young women, trying to get them to defibrillate his pig heart. He had so many problems with heart health that people were thinking that he was unfit to serve in office. He smoked approximately three packs of cigarettes every day. Since he For was a, 20 years. Holy hot damn. Where do you find the time to do that? I guess he wasn't vice president at the time. He had his first of five heart attacks oh, yeah. in mm. 1978 at age 37. Call that a Cheney's dozen. It's five heart attacks. Subsequent attacks in 84, 88, 2000, and 2010 have resulted in moderate contractile dysfunction of his left ventricle. He underwent four-vessel coronary artery bypass grafting in 88, coronary artery stenting in 2000, urgent coronary balloon angioplasty in 2001, implantation of an implantable cardioverter defibrillator Gross. in 2001. Man, uh, this guy really wanted to be vice president. This is what he was going through. 2009, he strained his back while moving boxes (laughs) into his new house, and as a consequence, he was in a wheelchair for two days including his attendance at the 2009 U.S. presidential inauguration. Yeah, I remember that. I thought he was going to die at the inauguration. They were wheeling him in. He looked like the penguin. Early July 2010, 
Cheney was outfitted with a left ventricle assist device, or LVAD. The device pumped blood continuously through his body. This pump was centrifugal, and as a result, he remained alive without a pulse for nearly 15 months. Bullshit. You can't do that. That's not a thing. Is this the first you're hearing of this? Because this is the first time hearing of this. That Cheney was walking around as walking dead zombie without a pulse for 15 months. You can't do that. That's not a... Because this left ventricle assist device is basically a replacement for your heart. It's pumping blood instead of your heart. It's still pumping blood. It's just not pulsing. So they're saying without a pulse. That's um, walking dead shit, Oh, that's creepy as fuck. If you went up to Chaney and you gave him a big hug and you put your head on his chest and you heard nothing. You would just hear a hum like a fish tank. (laughs) No, that's off. But here's they're not offering that to just anybody. (laughs) Anybody else is dead. They will keep this fucking Frankenstein alive. Can you imagine what they would have done with this on American Dad if they had had it at the time? His heart is more pig than man at this point. Just kill him. Let him die. 2012, he underwent a seven-hour heart transplant at age 71. No. He had been on a waiting list for more than 20 months, which is not that long, it seems like, to have a full heart transplant. I'm shocked they made him wait 20 months. He received uh, the heart from an anonymous donor. One of the people he, <laughs> Someone he, he had successfully killed. killed in a hunting trip. <laughs> Is that what happened to Maya Angelou? She was murdered so Cheney could have his heart, her heart. His principal cardiologist uh, advised his patient that it would not be unreasonable for an otherwise healthy 71-year-old man to expect to live another 10 years with a transplant. His physician, Dr. Frankenstein. Well, that was in 2012. It's 2018. So it's not unreasonable for him to live two more years. <laughs> His heart now is probably way better than what it was before because his old heart was shit. He totally I mean, kicked that yeah. thing around. <laughs> if he was like living without a heart, essentially. And they make documentaries about the most boring shit. Where's the documentary? <laughs> the what? man with no pulse. Yeah. Also, his approval rating when he left office was like 13%. <laughs> After <laughs> all he did. <laughs> but he had one in 2000 when they were campaigning. And it's, it's just fine. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, no, he's it's it doesn't matter if he dies. He we'll had a mild fart attack. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Don't worry about him. He's <laughs> a monster and he'll live forever. His heart exploded and then he shot a man in the face. What's interesting, though, is that he his phone seems like it's electrocuted out of his pocket, but it's fine. <laughs> and Steve has the balls to yeah, take that, yoink. that phone and he's fine. It leaves. He takes it with him. <laughs> The next scene, I think, is when Roger's listening to the Victrola and yeah. smoking a cigarette. Oh, nice word. And Victrola. Seth MacFarlane also had a Victrola because, of course, he does. Oh, yeah, and he, he said <laughs> that when old people complain about how loud music is, they shouldn't because Victrola's had no volume control. It's, it's just, just like burr, 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 burr all the time, <laughs> and there's no way to turn it down. Extremely loud record player with a horn attached to it. <laughs> I did see that the song that's playing when Roger says that he dreamed of Paris last night is an Edith Piaf song. No, maybe, probably yes. It's a reference to Saving Private Ryan. Because that song is playing in some scene, the big thing, like when he says, I dreamed of Paris last night, their big mission in Saving Private Ryan is to get Matt Damon back to Paris. So yeah, maybe Roger fought in World War II. It it could be. It could be circumstantial. Yeah. It is all around the same time period. 
Christy is not happy with that. She's turned I've never up her nose. Seen, I've never seen Saving Private Ryan, and I oh. don't care. All right. It's a, it's a fine movie. It's a good war it's movie. A fun, it's a fun I, family it's flick. It's a fun... I like the scene where the guy's like holding the knife over the guy's chest and then he slowly sinks in. Yeah, it's nice because you know? it's one of the few scenes where a bad guy gets to kill a good guy. Ew. Spoiler alert. Okay, Stan goes over to Bullock's house, finds out that Haley is sleeping with him. Avery, I think, is wearing Haley's lucky panties, yeah. it looks like. <laughs> Stan has that fantasy where he uh, shoots a guy, or he doesn't shoot a guy who claims that he's blind. What's neat in that fantasy is Stan, like a cheetah, runs out to the street in a split second to shoot a mailman. It's out of nowhere. It's just a cut, and he's moved 40 yards down to the sidewalk to shoot a mailman in the back. So. It's also the first time, I think, that we've seen a substantial amount of blood in an episode. Oh, yeah. It's Because he shoots Avery right in the head. <laughs> That's how angry Stan is. And even in the scenario, he's still sort of in training mode. Right. He's thinking about who he needs to kill to get away with this. The next scene is Haley in her room and Jeff coming at, in the middle of the <laughs> night to... Win her back. Right, to win her back. And he's drunk Yeah. on what they, they, they said in the commentary is the only type of alcohol that they have in the show. Beer. B-E-E-R. Do you know what it looks like? Can you think about it? Uh, it's a brown bottle with a red label and yellow trim, and it says beer and yellow. Uh, no, it's a green bottle. Okay. Can you imagine it now? Yes, now green I see the bottle, green bottle, red circle label. Haley's telling Jeff when he goes away, because she sends him away, this is why I don't want to be with you. So it seems like Haley is just trying to get Jeff to change. She doesn't necessarily really care about not being with him anymore. Just as soon as she sees any sort of change, bam, the spell's back on for her. Right. She really does love Jeff. She just wants to change him. <laughs> she wants him to man up a little bit. Nut up. Sack up. <laughs> Which is really all any woman ever wants. Yeah, to be a man sometimes. To be a little <laughs> bit abused. Did that hurt you, Paul, when you saw that, that... Jeff was too much of a bitch for a woman to be with. <laughs> yeah, that's... Stan sees Jeff trying to get Haley back, and it gives him the idea to try to make Jeff a man so that Haley will take her back, him back. <laughs> yeah, well, if you see somebody so desperate that a blazing flute solo isn't going to work, you can... A Jethro Tull reference? <laughs> yeah, and it, actually his flute playing comes back later. It's right. another thing where he summons Seamus. The, his oh, Seamus McPherson. <laughs> when y'all flute me? Stan talks to Jeff in the way that Stan always does talk to Jeff by picking him up and slamming him against a van or a wall. Right. And is trying to convince him to be a man. Right. Gives him a blanket party. Because what, only... what, what, what does that mean? A blanket party is, I think it's kind of a military term, but yeah, uh -huh. it's when you take a blanket uh -huh. and you fill it with like, batteries or soap or so, just something nice and hard. Wouldn't and you use a sock or something? I don't think that it matters that, I think it's called a blanket party because you cover the person with a blanket. You okay. hold them down oh, like bed. That. Yeah, I don't think and it's a you... gigantic blanket full of <laughs> batteries. 
You just, fucking idiot. Just stop. <laughs> you're, still, you're, you're imagining even bigger than a pillowcase when Meg comes back to school and she starts just buying cans of soda from the vending machine and putting them in a pillowcase. Well, people know what a blanket party is because of Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. They put objects in pillowcases and swing them and beat or people Or just with them. socks. I think a sock is the most reasonable <laughs> thing because we've got several people who are throwing you this blanket party. Yeah, it's basically a non-lethal beating. So they have the torture scene where Stan has Jeff hooked up to nipple clamps and he's telling him to not say okay. Yeah, this has caused me a lot of grief this week. But some people think that okay is a proper response and those people are fucking idiots because it's not nice. Right. If someone if someone's <laughs> spills taking... out their heart and you know, they're just talking to you and they want a response. If you say okay, like an idiot or like a Paul, then you deserve to have such a thought. <laughs> you deserve a blanket party tonight when you're least expecting it. <laughs> they originally wanted the the shock wires to be down Jeff's underwear, but censors wouldn't allow it. <laughs> and it's also a 1984 reference where it's a two plus two equals five torture sequence. Right. I haven't seen any of these damn movies. That's a book. Have you heard of 1984, though? I've heard of it. I don't know what happens. Is it set in 1984? They also put the guy in 1984, they put a, like a rat cage over his head. That's he's, a classic movie scene. Yeah, because he's afraid of, he's supposed to be really afraid of rats. Mm-hmm. And then it, he breaks down and totally rats out this girl he was in love with. Mm. Sort of the moral of the book is that everybody is garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's basically like everyone has a breaking point and we're all just animals and nothing matters. All I'm thinking of is... It's a very uplifting book. (laughs) (laughs) That clip where they put Nicolas Cage's head in a beehive. The bees! The bees! So many bees! Yeah, Nicolas Cage in that movie is extremely afraid of bees. (laughs) Not the bees! I don't know who's not afraid of a million bees swarming their face. This guy's irrationally afraid of rats. Right. So, yeah, they initially wanted the wires to be down Jeff Pants. And then they go to the scene where he's buried and then the scene where he's almost being forced to ride in a car with Joe Rogan. (laughs) And guess who did the voice for Joe Rogan? Oh, hot damn. I'll say Nick Kroll because I don't want to say Joe Rogan. Uh, Scott Grimes. Hey, Uh good for him. Right? Magician. What are you guys, homos? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like they have the characters much more figured out and the style of comedy is elevated. Yeah, and that's why it feels like a season two. Right. It doesn't yeah. feel like the they're still trying to... F- they, that they're not comfortable enough with Avery to have him do all the crazy <laughs> shit that he does in this episode. And they're comfortable with casting Haley in a somewhat negative light, mm-hmm. which makes her a lot funnier. Right. When Jeff was outside of her window drinking and, and trying to get her back, I expected somebody from the CIA to come and just grab him. <laughs> Because I assume that Avery's got his beady eye on her. Yeah. And Avery is willing to use CIA power inappropriately. In fact, he prefers it that way. The next scene we see Avery come down from Haley's room wearing <laughs> Haley's robe singing Oingo Boingo's Little Girls. <laughs> God, this song. Well, Francine pours the most coffee that has ever come out of a single pot of coffee into Stan's cup and into his lap. 
It stands pure leather balls. Like, <laughs> they can take it at first, but soon it's just... He's so enraged. <laughs> he can't feel it until much, much later. The salaciousness of what Avery is doing, singing little girls, wearing the a audacity. tiny robe. Yeah, the extreme audacity actually just freezes them like fainting <laughs> goats. You make me feel so good. I like Patrick Stewart because he's not too good to just do like a Star Trek or American Dad or kind of, he's kind of slumming it. Yeah, he's willing. He's knighted. The he's... man's knighted. <laughs> we had, we looked up the little girl song because I've never heard little girls. Me either. Probably for obvious reasons. <laughs> it's not a radio, like even hit. on the old, like the stations that play easy listening rock from the 80s, they're not playing Oingo Boingo's <laughs> Little Girls. <laughs> Oingo Boingo starring... Any radio person who plays that song immediately ends up on a watch list. Right. They come and get you right away. They dateline, ask you to have a seat. Right. <laughs> so Little Girls is a, was supposed to be, it is a story, it is a song about being a predator, a being about, a, about a, from the perspective of a male sexual predator. And Danny Elfman, I guess, Oingo Boingo is more than just Danny Elfman though, isn't it? He wrote the song. Yeah. Right. He wrote Monster. the song in order to be salacious. Uh, Danny Elfman, famous composer, does a lot of Tim Burton scores. Probably other music as well. I get him and Mark Mothersbaugh, the guy from Devo and who did the Rugrats music, confused a lot. Right. Danny Elfman, Mark Mothersbaugh, and John Williams. If you have a VHS tape, one of those three. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Hans Zimmer. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about this at the mall when we were getting this DVD because <laughs> I was looking through the DVDs trying to find Eurotrip, couldn't find it. Okay. I was like, I recognize all of these DVDs <laughs> because yeah, now we we saw the the, the death, the, yeah, the VHS. death of VHS and the rise and fall of DVDs. So every DVD that came out, we're familiar with almost every single one of them. Think about it. Not that, not that older people don't also have that feeling because, you know, if you were older, you also saw the birth and the death of DVDs. Mm. But we were really into it because we were teenagers. Well, and also CDs. And Just I, discs. Discs mm, in general. Like, I think CDs were, that was, you know. Yeah, but you don't know every CD. DVDs are a time capsule of the mid-90s to mid-2000s. Right. Yeah. Just when we grew up. Yep. It's our childhood. We have a DVD generation. Well, sad. We know. also saw the... We feel so old and in the way. Right. <laughs> we also saw DVDs and Netflix end. Yeah, we saw... We were we yeah. were the people who were like, who started... We were the ones who crowdfunded Netflix. Yeah, we would send off for those and like just so you could... And get DVDs mailed to your it. house. If you had and one. And stolen from your mailbox. <laughs> we had yeah. only taken the money that we gave to Netflix to get stupid dvds mailed to us and instead bought netflix stock oh my god money we wouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> we'd be on a fucking island we damn sure wouldn't be doing this podcast in a non-air-conditioned room that's how stupid we are is that we saw the rise of netflix and amazon and all of this stuff while we were in college and we used money to go to college and we didn't get on the bus we should have just invested all of our college money, or you should invest it all your college money <laughs> instead of eating pizzas like a fucking 
I ate a lot of pizzas in college. Garbage monster. <laughs> I was garbage monster in college. The, the advice that we're trying to give. Or we could have bought Bitcoin. The advice that we're trying to give is don't go to college. Just Take use that your money, money. Go to Vegas. Put it on black. If you win, you win. If you lose, kill you kill yourself. yourself. <laughs> yeah. If you have money to go to college and you're thinking about going to an expensive college, figure out what today's Netflix is. I don't know what it is. I can't possibly tell you. Google Look for down. magic free money. That's my advice. Figure out what today's Apple is and tell me. Go to googledonk.com. Did you say Google Donk? I did say Google Donk. Where were we? Oh, yeah. So Patrick Stewart's sitting there. Francine is pouring eternal coffee. Yes. Stan is about to stab Avery. He's not, not, he's not fantasizing. He's about to stab Avery oh, he's going to after death. Him, yeah. He's willing to throw it all away. Yeah, he tells Francine to leave the room. But at just the right moment. And Avery does this multiple times in the episode. At right. just the right moment, he mentions the promotion. Right. Avery knows what's going on. And Avery also knows how he's torturing Stan. I'm <laughs> fairly sure. So Stan throws the knife and it hits a, a cabinet. But in a different imagining of the scene that they had, the knife goes into the refrigerator and then... After the scene's done, a little refrigerator comes in and it's like, Mom, I made my first ice cubes. Oh, that's weird. And then it's like, Mom? <laughs> no, that's like... But they do that later in the Krampus. Dr. Krampus? Oh, right. They do yeah. it later in the Krampus episode where... The, the, everything's coming to life. Yeah, all like of the, the things. Castle and yeah, it's like a beauty in the beast. Right. Yeah. Every <laughs> inanimate object is capable of being killed. <laughs> But I like it better where he throws the knife. The knife almost hits Francine. She has to dodge the knife. Oh, right. yeah, it's right by her. It shows how much Stan cares about this promotion. <laughs> right. Also, he sees how big Bullets Avery's... dong is. Yeah, Avery's uh, penis is. Even Francine sees it. Yeah, Francine sees it. It's dragging down around his feet. There's a deleted scene from an earlier episode where he's in the hot tub with Greg <laughs> and Terry and Stan leaves. Yeah. Greg says, huh. Not so much. I think the implication mm, is... Not so much as Stan. That Stan doesn't have a very big penis. I will, however, say that in the next episode, Stan, when he, Stan is learning to masturbate... Gigantic. He he breaks a snow globe <laughs> clean in half with this thing. So <laughs> the jury's out. We don't know. Might not be the largeness as much as the extreme hardness. <laughs> Jesus. Haley says that Bullock has a huge heart. He's, she's going to say it. Mm -hmm. Stan interrupts her and says penis. But mm -hmm. before she's going to say he has a huge heart, which means that Haley is a terrible judge of character. Oh, right. She cannot tell at all <laughs> that Bullock is absolutely horrendous. If anyone's soul is blacker than Bullock on the show, I don't know. Maybe Roger competes a little bit. Maybe. Right. But if those <laughs> two got together, they'd Aww. be... I want an episode where Roger and Avery become best friends. Aww. They go off. They do terrible things together. And Roger realizes that he has to break ties with Avery because it's like getting to be too close to him being found out. And then he has to break Avery's heart like Stan has to break Clooney's heart. Yeah, I think, it would I think be... that's how Avery would take it. Yeah, be so... I think it would be Stan is trying to get... Stan wants to be friends with Bullock. Uh-huh. Wants to be friendly with Bullock. But Roger has somehow moved in and is best friends with Bullock and mm -hmm. stands the third wheel. Right. I can't wait to watch this episode. But Roger's in a disguise, so he's risking <laughs> he's risking a lot because right. if Avery finds out, he will 
Right. And then uh, Roger has a tear regret. <laughs> uh, the next scene what? would be the... Announcement. Yeah, at uh, the Senate where Bullock... On C-SPIN? Yeah. <laughs> this is C-spin. also interspersed with prank calls from Roger and Steve. Oh, but it's yeah. kind of boring. That subplot. No, nah, Right? But it's yeah. brief. But basically, Steve and Roger are prank calling people while they're live on C-SPAN and some UN conference and starting shit between <laughs> Syria and Israel and Pakistan and India. New Zealand's in there at some point. But yeah, yeah it's not great, not super memorable. Right. Just- the plot it goes nowhere in the final outcome of the episode. It feels like a waste for Steve and Roger to have this subplot together. So Avery is announcing Stan's promotion at the Senate. I don't know why. Um, yeah, well, why do you need that for the deputy deputy director of the CIA? <laughs> he doesn't have his cell phone on silent and <laughs> little girls starts playing. <laughs> it's just his ringtone. <laughs> he gets broken up with and on the Chiron, it reads... Avery is crying like the little girl. He fancies. Right. And what did you call it? You called it a Chiron? He, yeah, it's like... Um, the, the scrolling text. Yeah, the, the scrolling text. I would call that just a crawl. Okay, the crawl. Yeah, that works. Crawl. And also, yeah. have you ever questioned how a British guy is deputy director of the CIA? Yeah, but it's just a quick like, oh, I wonder how. And then I just like it. You don't care. No, I don't. I don't give a shit. I just assume like he came from James Bond land. There was an opening. He applied for it on LinkedIn and got the job. Right. They outsourced it or, you know, not outsourced. Right. Like it's, it should be totally fine for somebody who's from a different country, who's a citizen of a different country. Woohoo. Love it or leave it. So he gets a call from Haley. Well, he's just about to give Stan his promotion that he's wanted <laughs> so much. And then Haley breaks up. Stan's other plan actually ends up working out. Haley leaves Bullock for Jeff. I think just the wrong moment. <laughs> and now Bullock is weeping. So Stan is not also not concerned about Bullock's feelings. He's just, when am I going to get this promotion? <laughs> it's like, you'll get your promotion as soon as you help me kill Jeff Fisher. Dun, dun, dun. So Stan is like, fine. Whatever. I'll kill Jeff. (laughs) All right, let's kill Jeff. I did just coach him into being with my daughter again, but (laughs) I guess I'll kill him. Right. Which means that he's willing to let Avery go back to boning Haley. Yeah, no, he really wants that promotion. I assume there's no raise either. I don't know what he <laughs> wants so much from this promotion. Just it's the just title. a title. It's so, bragging rights. It's like the assistant to the regional manager. Right, <laughs> deputy, deputy director. So Stan and Jeff and Avery with his Slurpee in the backseat. adorable. <laughs> it's such a weird, it's the, the, the humor of it is so different than season one where he's just sitting back there silently glaring. Yeah. Now, what does Jeff ask? Oh, he's are asking you guys he... friends from work or something? Oh. Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm interested that Jeff has no idea that Haley's been dating this guy. <laughs> and they also were saying that they had debated whether to put like a hunting cap on Avery or not, but you just, you know, you want that big bald head. <laughs> yeah, plus it's just so, the cap on Stan is so funny. It's like <laughs> his head's too big for hats. <laughs> Any normal sized hats. The way in which they're going to kill Jeff is just by inviting him to go hunting because Jeff is so agreeable. I don't know. And affable. Right. It worked for Chaney. Chaney <laughs> shot a dude right in the fucking face. Did you've, have you heard the story of the guy that he shot in the face? 
Yeah, I've, I've heard of him shooting his hunting partner, but I've it was in you the You don't face. know any of the details? No. Okay, so here's what I think happened oh, because God. there were secret service agents and people with him and they kind of kept it. They didn't even tell the police in the town for like an hour until they had kind of gotten everything oh, yeah, taken you gotta figure care all that of. Out. It's like if a Kennedy killed somebody. You right, take so your time. he shot Harry Whittington, a 78-year-old Texas attorney. <laughs> and they said in the papers and stuff, oh, he shot his close friend in the face. But... The guy said they had met like three times in 30 years. They were <laughs> acquaintances at best. And from what I can gather, I think that what really happened was the guy was going to pick up or search for a bird <laughs> and Cheney saw a bird fly up or fly down. And there's a couple of things. Number one, he didn't check to make Whatever's sure that he wasn't shooting the guy like that that he knew where all people were accounted for, number one. No, they he... were wearing bright orange <laughs> hunting vests. All right. And two, when you're shooting at birds, you're supposed to make sure that you can see blue sky beneath them. You're not supposed to shoot when they're like <laughs> sitting on a stump or I don't right. know, like when... in the weeds. With but this... when you're living without a pulse, this blue sky shit doesn't concern this you. This was in 2006. You just, he, he already had some problems by then. He just screamed out, that's my bird, and he went <laughs> shooting everywhere. But they said that the guy was a lot further away. About 10 feet away, bam, right? I mean, the they head. said he was like 30 or 40 yards away, but I no, don't think wasn't. so, because he had a lot of bullet pieces in him. He had like 300 I want to see a picture Shut. of him afterwards. Yeah, they have some. Oh, good. Okay, wait, let me just, let me tell Yay. you. Yay. They flew him by helicopter to Corpus Christi Memorial Hospital. He was treated for birdshot wounds to his right cheek, neck, and chest. So he shot him like, bam. Yeah, more than once, I think. I think <laughs> he was trying to make sure he was dead. So that was on February 11th. On Valentine's Day, he shot him again. He had a heart attack because at least one of those lead shot pellets were lodged near his heart. Whoa. They had so many. There was like 300. The guy's 78. They left like 30 in his body. When he got out of the hospital, he apologized. There it is. That's how you do it. To the Cheneys for all that they had been through during the week. I know you were incredibly worried. You were about to have a manslaughter conviction on your hands. But I'm alive. Yeah, so he's alive, and Cheney never apologized. Bullshit, he never apologized. He never apologized as far as anybody knows, and when they asked this guy about it, he refused to answer whether Cheney had (laughs) apologized. Cheney was still pissed off that he had blocked his shot. Yeah. He was going to hit that bird. I just love that this (laughs) this guy was super old. He gets shot by Cheney. He goes to the hospital. Cheney doesn't apologize. I don't think he checked on him. No, he kept hunting, probably. And when he came out after having a heart attack (laughs) three days later, he apologized to Cheney. I hope for that kind of power for myself. That's what I'm. That's it says that like he's like one of the most disliked president. His approval rating went down after that, <laughs> but uh, he was one of the least approved of, but most powerful presidents. Vice yeah, you want to be powerful president. enough. <laughs> you want to be powerful enough to shoot a guy in the face and have him apologize to you for it. I will say this shows the difference between your preparedness and mine because I saw the whole four heart attack thing. Uh-huh. 
I was just going to say, Cheney had four heart attacks. Isn't that something? Yeah, that's why your stuff is bullshit. Yeah, you bullshit. have like the shortest notes and they're all just two words that <laughs> you're going to scream at some point. I don't know why Haley doesn't, Haley has no concerns about being back with Jeff, about breaking up with Avery, even though she's seen what all Stan's been willing to do with the CIA. Well, I think that nobody really respects how dangerous Stan and Bullock are mm-hmm. <laughs> just as superhuman strength kinds of people. Right. They're like, they're like Thor and the Hulk. They're superhuman, basically. And also, apparently, completely above the law. So Haley should be worried. Haley should be keeping tabs on where Jeff is. And Jeff should tell Haley, I'm going hunting with your father. Oh, yeah. No. Alarm bells all over the place. Not to mention that Haley's probably against hunting entirely, which could be an excuse for why Jeff wouldn't tell her. Mm. Stan could be like, don't tell Haley. She'll freak out. I was thinking that Jeff should also be against hunting because he's eco-friendly or whatever with about the SUV. But I think that he, when he's eating, he's eating meat mm-hmm. at the diner. So, Right. And then also, <laughs> Jeff is so... I, I don't know if Stan puts the target vest on him. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, like here you go. Or right. Something. He doesn't see the target, but <laughs> <laughs> but he but he's not wearing anything underneath the vest. Yeah, so I they don't ask know him why. to take off his shirt yeah. and then put on this vest. And he's like, okay. And the gun that Stan has, when you see it from his perspective, he cocks it. I don't know if that's the right term, but he cocks it like a shotgun. Yeah, it does. But this thing is single barrel. It has an enormous hole. Oh, yeah. It's like an elephant rifle or something. Right. And it also has what appears to be a hammer (laughs) on this shotgun, pistol, rifle hybrid. But I think that an explanation could be... Oh, here we go. ...that this gun is, in fact, the largest caliber centerfire rifle ever made. The 95 JDJ, also known as the Fat Mac... <laughs> the fat, it's not called the fat. It's called Mac. the fat Mac. Bullshit! It's called the fat Mac. Each bullet is eight point two ounces, or over half a pound. Each bullet's over half a pound, so that's what the caliber. Like a forty-five caliber is a, a huge pistol. Right. This is ninety-five. Each bullet's forty dollars. It's forty dollars a round. 277 foot pounds of recoil energy and it's supposed to be like firing 10-30-06 at once. Stan has brought a way overpowered gun, but if one of these bullets were to hit Jeff, he would just explode. (laughs) That's what the plan is. But also here's what's crazy about it is that the gun, even in its tiniest form, like there were three of them made that were 50 pounds, which is enormous, but the other ones after that were 110 pounds. So they're never shot. Like nobody ever holds them and shoots them, (laughs) especially because of the kickback. But the other thing that made me think that this could be it is that the scope, why would a shotgun have a scope, (laughs) right? But the scope on the gun is so small and it has to be small because you can't have a large scope that comes back and breaks your orbital socket. But the barrel of the gun is bigger than the scope. It's larger in diameter. Mm-hmm. This is a bizarre gun. No Fat Macs for you. No butt plug size They like the Fat Mac. That's adorable. Country Mac and Fat Mac. Man, this makes me want to go to McDonald's. Yeah. A country Mac with cheese. But Jeff drops to his knees and is begging... Right. To not He's be crying. killed. 
like and then a they, little bitch. Stan, <laughs> Stan and Jeff, or Stan and Bullock, decide to give him 30 seconds. Right, give it was the most dangerous game reference. Right. They want to give him a little bit of a head start. Genius. The that one time a, Jeff's been smart. Right. I think that show. that was a pretty funny, like, that's a very good joke. Yeah. Being like, you have 30 seconds, and then Jeff just gets in the car and drives away. Whoop, 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 whoop. One of the lines that was going to be in it was Stan saying that deer don't normally do that. <laughs> but it's a it's a good cut, right? Yeah. That you don't that you don't need it. I think it's just funny. Leave it <laughs> where they're silently <laughs> just sitting there. Maybe maybe if Bullock had lifted the Slurpee again. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> yeah, looking over at Stan because he knows it's coming next. <laughs> Then the adventures of Bullock and Man Horse. Yeah. Jeff drives to a diner. He doesn't drive all the way home. He doesn't drive far enough away, apparently, because he must be there for quite a while if Stan eventually catches up to him on foot. Yeah. But Jeff is on the phone with Haley, telling her what's going on. There's also a phone right behind him. (laughs) I want to say something, but I have no answer to that. I have no idea why a diner needs a lot of people making phone phone calls from the diner. And it looks, it's like the same phone. It's like an on-the-wall landline. It does seem like a pretty tropey situation, running to a diner and then needing to make a phone call there. (laughs) So Mm. Jeff, despite very smartly jumping into the car and driving away from that situation, stupidly stops pretty much immediately at the diner. Barely goes any distance. Even if somebody who's stupid makes a lucky this, he has a lucky break. He makes a good decision to get in the car and run away versus just running into the woods the other direction. Stupid's going to catch back up to him. Yeah, you just make too many stupid decisions. He parked right out front <laughs> of this diner. <laughs> and as soon as they come in, he introduces himself. But Not the that scene... they wouldn't have seen him. He's sitting right next to the door. The scene after Jeff leaves them in the woods is basically Bullock taking off his belt, <laughs> wrapping it around Stan's neck, and then riding him yeah. like a horse. For three hours. Hot damn. At which point Stan is happy that Jeff came to a diner as well. <laughs> and at the diner, it appears that Toby is there in disguise, although we can't be sure. Or at least we know what Toby would look like with like a blonde mullet. And right, a hat. and a trucker hat. But Toby seems to be sitting there with his glasses watching this whole thing happen uh they have the fight scene <laughs> well, it's because... a, it's a, well Haley shows up there too so it's Haley, jeff stan and bullock final showdown oh yeah Haley shows up at the same freaking time i guess they've had she's had time to get there bullock and stan have had time to get there it's a great time to be at this diner it's a lot of stuff going on i thought it odd that Haley is not at all concerned at jeff's limp and twitching body right on yeah. the ground just all in a heap. Legs all <laughs> that happens immediately. There like is, there's no fighting. Yeah, that's right. Because Jeff says, no, Haley, I'm going to stand up for myself. Then <laughs> immediately fingers up the nostrils. Flings <laughs> <laughs> him right into the wall. Right. And once again, Stan proves that he's not just a weapons expert. Yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. Right. So he, he and Bullock start getting into the best fight. Yeah, it's super. Miles and miles away from the fight that Stan was in with the method actor. Oh, yeah. No, homeless guy. Yeah. So good. And also so much funnier. 
And that's for not letting me stop at the creek for a drink. <laughs> but it's a fight that you really want to see. Yeah, you know that it's coming. It has to. <laughs> I mean, I would cause... like to see it again. I hope I want I want them to do it again. Mm-hmm. Find some excuse for Stan and Bullock to fight. Start having chicken fights like Family Guy. They just fight on the moon. They're not to be trifled with. Trifled, so, old English for fuck. Stan, well, let's back up. Stan starts fighting Bullock because Bullock starts saying some really harsh stuff. It just pushes it beyond the line of what he can say about Haley, which also makes it feel like when Bullock is like, you slut. Does he call her a two-bit tart? When Bullock is talking to her like that, it makes me feel like his feelings for her are nebulous because he seemed really hurt when she breaks up with him. And yet he seems to have no feelings oh, at yeah, all. They're gone out the window then. Right. Even though he was about to kill Jeff, he's ch- he's hunting down Jeff for her. <laughs> he I does it, not care about how she sees him anymore. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that he wants Haley back. It could just be that he really hates Jeff. He for doesn't want to have from. been bested by Jeff. Right. He can't tolerate a world where Jeff gets the best of him. Mm-hmm. But he pretty much levels the playing field with one move. <laughs> the question was never, can you beat up Jeff? That was not. <laughs> big fight. Big, big fight. And Klaus is starting to do commentary over Stan beating up Avery. And they said that the reason that they did that, and possibly the reason that they had Klaus doing the commentary for the episode at all, was because they had a lot of jokes during the fight scene that didn't quite work when they got the footage, but they're not going to cut any of the fight. Yeah, you got to have it. So they added some stuff and they had Klaus talk about how the fry cook was the same person from the microfilm eating contest and it was like supposed to be played by Jimmy. Um, whatever. Right. Yeah, that's really neat. That's a cool way to cover up the scene that didn't work as you had expected. Right. And it seems like that's a sort of a sign of quality that they didn't they felt like something needed to be done to this fight scene, even though it is a very interesting fight scene and it seems like it would work on its own, but -hmm. it just wasn't funny enough. So they do the whole DVD commentary thing. They're doing a lot of jokes during this, the fight scene where it's like they have Stan erasing the special of the day and writing pain. (laughs) (laughs) And when Klaus says that they, he just talked over the funniest joke in the episode, the joke goes like this. Stan says Kirk was a much better captain. Oh, you fucker. Patrick Stewart says, what? And then Stan <laughs> says, nothing. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that cute? Good. I like that. That is pretty. It's cute. It's cute. All right. He did talk over the best joke in the episode. Mm-hmm. And then the episode ends with <laughs> Patrick Stewart pulling a 180 <laughs> as Stan is standing over him with a bar stool about to end his life. Is it Stan or Bullock is a Avery quick... Avery gets real cute. <laughs> Bullock is a quick thinker. Yes. He realizes there's one, there's only one way out of this mm-hmm. and that is to convince Stan that he all of this was a part of his plan. He stands up, he's shaking. He's the cuteness. Falls over. Yeah. Avery just, Avery with his his oh, how he elbows, his yeah, <laughs> under his his hands, under his chin, is so adorable. <laughs> and you forgive him for everything he's done. He didn't really do anything wrong. Actors, all trained actors, <laughs> working under my direction. He coughs on that girl. <laughs> I'll See? need to be giving this back to props. 
Scene's over. I'll see you at the rap party. <laughs> <laughs> it goes all together with Avery trying to save face no matter what it takes. And he has been brutalized. And then he throws himself through regular glass. <laughs> because he needs an exit. Yeah. <laughs> this is just what he came up with. He's improvising. Yeah. I mean, presumably... Stan has to pick him up, put him in the yeah. car, <laughs> he has drive to them him all home. home. How does Haley get there? Taxi. <laughs> Uber. Man, horse. I don't know how she gets there. Yeah, I don't know if she drives or whatever. It's quite Taxi. surprising. So here's um, a fun thing. you And the, the subplot of Steve and Roger doesn't get resolved at all. That's except Uh-oh. in a deleted scene... You're so jealous right now. This is ridiculous. You're so jealous. Okay. In a deleted (laughs) scene, Stan goes into his first day of work as deputy deputy director. He goes into this room that's kind of like a war room or one of those things where you see the whole world map and then lighting like countries lit up and stuff. Everything's gone to shit. All these (laughs) old, these countries, old conflicts have started up all of a sudden. So Syria and Israel and Pakistan and India are just going at it. And then Stan turns around and leaps through a regular wall. It's like a, it's like a stone wall. Which is is a callback. It's a callback to when he darts away, when he's talking to Haley, Mm -hmm. he pins her against the tree and then he runs through the fence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he just runs through a wall and Stan's been fighting really hard for this job. And when he finally gets it, he doesn't want it. Thanks to Roger and Steve. Which would have tied the B plot back into the A plot and made the whole Roger, Steve thing maybe have a little bit of place in this episode. Right. But it would have been a weaker ending. I agree with that than just ending with Avery outside of the diner and everything. (laughs) But it is unfortunate when your B plot didn't really work that great and then the thing that was supposed to make it feel like it was meant to be there can't be yeah it's unusable so the final little tag the final scene where stan comes in and hugs tran jimmy (laughs) ing that's what the writer's room actually looked like i guess oh fun and also when i was researching it i found a bunch of apocryphal stories that it means that it's probably not true okay Okay. Let's say that. But that it was like rumors, basically, that Jimmy Ng was a Canadian mounted police officer, which they don't ride horses anymore. They're not mounties? No, they're not mounted, even though they're still part of the Canadian. But just just change it. Why you need to be the CMPD? Um, Mounties is a cool word. He was a police officer who was killed by a street racer. He was like going through a green light and this... Street racer hit him, and then it was like he ran away and eventually turned himself in. And anyway, they were saying that this guy was a friend of Seth MacFarlane's, and that's why he did that Aww. in memory of. Wow, that's so it's a real in memory of. Right. The story was apocryphal. Apocryphal, Paul. God damn it. When I listened to the commentary, what they said was a lot of people didn't get it, this joke, but it was a reference to what Klaus is talking about, that actor who was supposed to show up or whatever. Well, yeah. So it's just a joke. Yeah. It's just a joke about that character. It's not real. Oh, and that. it's not based oh. on anything. Right. And I like Seth the... MacFarlane was not, you know, friends with this guy who died in 2002. You're looking up some weird news for these episodes, man. I, I can understand why the joke is confused. I was confused when we watched it the first time. Uh-huh. But overall, I like the joke, but it's not that funny. Yeah. 
And they show it's a it's an interesting thing to show Stan and everybody else. Yeah, like that meta perspective. Right. Behind the scenes, yeah. Klaus with this little backwards cat. <laughs> Which there, there's a few a handful of episodes where they have that perspective of they're filming a sitcom. Right. That they're aware of the fact that it's just a television show. But in, even in that world, Roger is an alien and Klaus is a talking fish. You are my greatest disappointment. <laughs> Jeez. And <laughs> I think uh, it's going to be a blanket party for you tonight. <laughs> Run it back around. Blanket party. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's going to be that and then electrocuting your balls. No. While I talk to you and try to get you to respond with more than just okay or one word responses. I swear to God, I have nightmares about that sort of thing. I really think that I could do it though. I, I think I think could. You, could you are a heavy enough sleeper. <laughs> you grind your teeth so loud that you wouldn't even be able to hear me coming. You're going to have like old tiny teeth. Chiclet teeth. A stomach full of, of bone. enamel. I'm going to come into your room. All right. I'm going to, uh, I guess I'll, I'd probably like staple all of your sheets to your bed over you. <laughs> over you. And then what would I beat you with? I would probably take. Course. Something coarse. Maybe. Well, think about it, you know. Really. Broomsticks. Yeah, really put Maybe some effort into this beating. I'll take your lie. long socks. All right. Fill them full of your dirty loose change. Ugh. And beat you about the face with it. And you won't be able to get out. And then I'll light your bed on fire. And I'll shut the door and I'll lock it from the outside. And you won't be able to figure out how to use the lock from the inside. Yeah, we've learned that I don't know how a lock works. And then I will let you burn and you will be too stupid chicken shit to jump out of your window to save yourself. <sighs> what a night. Peace. Finally peace. What a mild night. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll smoke a cigarette and think of Paris. <laughs> I dreamed of Paris again. <laughs> I dreamed of beating Paul again. Yeah. Does that sound like a good plan, Paul? I don't have a fat ass mouth. I have sweaty ass pure leather balls like a cheetah. Bam. Which is really all any woman ever wants. Something nice and hard. You've got to be open to show the boobs. Yay.